When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. From the southernmost point of Dorne to the lands of always winter, what is west of west and the shadows in the east, this is Casterly Talk, and I'm Ken Napsack. Today, one thing's on my mind, something we started to talk about last week. We are talking about the hard questions in GOT, and we got to some of them. And one of them I discussed got me thinking a little bit more about the character and the character's journey and the why of the character. And if you've seen the title of the episode, you know. It's Jon Snow. Today I want to talk about the why of Jon Snow. After that, we'll have a break and one phone call, which magically, or maybe not so magically, tied directly into what was on my mind this week from a different point of view and an important question. Also, I'll say this, there's a lot of great questions that a lot of you have in right now on the Anchor app. Uh, Nick, Thomas, and our good friend Eric Monroe have some good calls in. If you're listening, uh, don't worry, got those calls saved, ready to go. Some great questions, some great thoughts, uh, and we'll get to those in the coming weeks. I felt this one was on my mind now was uh, just something I wanted to share wanted to share because we love these characters we love these shows the episodes the books even those maps we always talk about but i do think sometimes it's important to really dive into the most important question for these shows these stories these fantasies high mid and low these great modern myths and that's the why sometimes and get caught up in the hows and the whats. How did that happen? And what does this mean? What do we want to happen? And what did we want to happen? But why? Just a big old open question of why will sometimes lead you through, through and to the true intentions of the character and their decisions, both their successes and their failures and more. So today in focus will be Jon Snow. Jon Snow is perceived as the hero of the story this is not to take any status away from other many other heroes of the game of thrones story song of ice and fire daenerys targaryen we're looking at you but there's many others along the way ones that come and go ned in the beginning davos is kind of a hero to me Tyrion's a hero there's a lot of heroes a lot of heroes. But Jon Snow is, again, the perceived hero of the story, the bastard on the fringes, seeking his true identity and greater purpose. Very similar to Danny, again, as well. But I am going to put the Dragon Queen, for the most part, on the shelf in this episode. We've also been talking a lot about her, and we're going to return to that, I'm sure. But let's focus on that bastard of the North. He is the classic trope. He is actually the boy who would be king. 
And that, in the end, is not where he goes, though. He chose to walk away from that life and calling because of what he had learned along the way. This is the why of Jon Snow. When the story begins, our moody young man with no real name wants to go far away and find great purpose at the wall, the men of the Night's Watch. A lot of people know I am a fan of the Night's Watch for a lot of reasons. Some of it that I just like solitude and cold. (laughs) Others, uh, other reasons I just identify them in a real world way. And there's a lot of things I've loved about the Night's Watch. But the journey of Jon Snow takes him up to the wall and into the Night's Watch and well beyond it. The Night's Watch has a grand purpose. It has become a neglected, underfunded, tarnished organization with only a few good men holding it together. But the original purpose was grand. Now, some of these good men up there are hardened and, and, and not inherently bad, but really hardened. And all. For a moment, see even Alistair Thorne. But more on him, many other episodes, I'm sure. I actually like a lot about Alistair Thorne. But, you see, he and others have just let their hearts grow cold amongst the winds of the true north and are so steadfast in their own close circles and ways of, of the old that they can't see what's coming for them is not from the north, but truly from within. But John wants to be a part of that, and that's understandable. He is searching for this identity. That is the journey. You right away have the the mystery in front of you. Who is his mother? What does it all mean? What and how will he discover this? What does it lead to? We always have to ask that why. John wants to be part of the Night's Watch. Only Tyrion tells him the truth. Even his beloved Uncle Benjen can't bear to tell him what has become of the Watch, and a lot of it is... It's thrown back on the Seven Kingdoms, even if you're up at the wall. Now, I actually think that that's very understandable from the point of view of someone like Benjen, Jor uh, Mormont in there as well, and, and Yorin and some of the, the hard characters up there. They know what it's like to be up there. No one else in the realm does. So when everyone else slags on the Night's Watch and their codes and their honors and what they have to do, and even their grand purpose, which is so... So far in the rearview mirror, it no longer seems real, right? But even then, even then with uh, the Night King not fully back or wandering around the north like, hey, I'm here ready to take you, even then it hangs over like, like a dark shadow over the Night's Watch. They know, they feel it. But right now, for the most part, for generations and generations, the battle has been the Wildlings. And it's not a great battle. Even the oldest... Remember the Night's Watch? Aemon Targaryen, right? Pushing that century mark there. A little before it, a little bit after. He's uh, been there for not even all of his life. And he's the oldest, and this is what's been going on. You go up, you take the black, you stand on the wall, you range to the north, you defend the realm from the only known enemy we have the only known enemy you can believe in, the only one you can see and feel, the only one that is fighting you. You are not taught to see the reasons why, and in many ways you don't need to know the reasons why. You have to deal with the actual events in front of you and the actual actions in in front of you. And, you know, to be clear, if you're standing up on the wall, some of the actions of the wildlings aren't good. They are of a violent nature. They are of uh, maybe even, you could say, a criminal nature to to your realm. Uh, It is, in fact, a war. 
It's a war on a low, lower level. It's a war on the streets. It's, 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 it's a, a war on the ground. And you only see that if you're Benjamin Stark and Yorin and Alistair Thorne. You've gone up there often not to seek uh, glory. You've gone up there because you have no choice. The days of taking the black and having it be some great grand purpose, again, are long gone. And this is where what you see and what you feel. And like I said, this it's all, it's, it's not, it's not false. The night's watch is neglected. The castles are neglected. It's underfunded. It's tarnished. It's full of all the people that Tyrion warned Jon Snow about horrible people, but you go up there and you take the black and you form ranks and you do your duty and you treat it seriously. Even if the rest of the world can't see why, you feel you need to treat it seriously. And again, you need to treat it seriously. No one south of the wall truly understands what they are facing every day. Uh, the losses and sacrifices made are real. As you and the Night Watch stand guard for an ancient threat no one believes in. And again, this perceived threat now, these vicious wildlings that want to kill you and, and, and in fact do and take from a land that you are trained to believe isn't theirs. Generations and generations. I, I think Benjen is a good man. Jor Mormont is a good man. And they are the last strands of decency, along with some others, holding together a tattered group of warriors. But John wants to join that. And find himself by defending the realm from these wildlings and by connecting to a greater purpose. Um, he knows that if you go up there, Benjamin says it early on. Ah, yeah, you're a bastard here. You know, you're accepted up there. It's a, it's a fresh start. And that's important for John. Important for John because he doesn't know his own true identity. He, he obviously thinks he knows, right? Bastard, son of Ned Stark, doesn't know his mother, the mother that he has. Uh, Catelyn Stark doesn't doesn't treat him too well, and and he's on the outside. Uh, they get the dire wolves, and he doesn't get one until they find the runt of the litter that they're about to kill. But he gets it, so it makes sense for John. John wants to give himself up to something beyond himself, and it is an honest pursuit of purpose and identity. And again, that's why I believe he is. Uh, the classic perceived hero of the story. It's a little bit of what Luke Skywalker is. Again, I'll say it again. Daenerys is that too. Um, she, though, maybe knows her identity. and It's about uh, do, how do you um, assume that or what do you want to take from that? It, it, it's bigger questions. And, and Daenerys does have a very different path. But John is that classic one. He is Luke Skywalker staring out at twin sons going, what's out there for me? Who am I? What can I connect with? That's what he does. That's what he does. He, he he gets to go north. So the funny thing is, you know, he goes north and he joins the the Night's Watch, and he does it under the auspices of fighting the wildlings. But when the series ends, Jon Snow, in truth, Aegon Targaryen, the next in a long line of kings, has left it all behind to walk freely into the north true north those he once swore to defend the realm against they are no longer wildlings to him they long have not been wild wildlings to him they are free folk he is now one of them so in season one the foundation on which john snow the burgeoning man is built is erected 
Some of the purest moments of John are him using his skills and, and, and his privilege to protect those around him that need it. Sam, Pip, and Gren are the embodiments of what Jon Snow is as a person, or at least what he can do. It, it is it, They represent his humanity in an early form. I, I still think they're some of my favorite Jon Snow moments, um, especially some of the stuff, the early stuff with Tyrion. The relationship of Tyrion and Jon Snow early on is fascinating, and it's important. It's important for both of them, but it's very important for Jon Snow. Jon sees someone who's, who's being picked on who can't fight for himself. And he rushes to his aid out of instinct, but then it's formed a little more and becomes part of who he is, becomes his, his mission. I don't think John does it out of ego. He doesn't do it out of the desire to stand up there like some Christ-like savior and say, I shall carry you through the night. He just does it because that's what he knows needs to be done. He looks in his heart and he finds that. It's commendable, and it's powerful, and it's a reason that this is most of the focus of John in season one. That's what Sam and Pip and Gren represent. They are their own individual characters that we get to spend some time with. They fuel a little bit of John's purpose, a little bit of John's story, and that's what they're there for. And I love when Tyrion tells him to wear what you truly are as armor so that no one can use it against you. Um, he's not just a bastard. And when he goes up there, he learns that. Because to the rest of the watch, uh, yeah, Bastion, we'll maybe move past that. We'll throw it at you as an insult, by the way. So Tyrion's right, wears an armor. But to, to the watch, he's a man born into wealth with good iron placed in his hands. Um, so he's got that to deal with, that to discover his true identity. And so, again, part of the lesson is uh, that John realizes early that he must use who he is to help those around him help others around him. So he connects with them, he saves them, he protects them, he trains them, and in turn he is rewarded for this by them saving him when he wanted to, I'll say understandably, storm south and run headlong into a battle that he could just not win, a battle that was not his to fight anymore, both in reality and in spirit. We always talk about great what-ifs here on Casterly Talk. What if John had kept going? What if they couldn't stop him? What if they didn't catch up to him? John would have probably died along the way. They saved him. They kept him on track. Something Jor does kind of talk about. So then John heads north, north to fight the re-emerging big evil that's Caps that he believes is his great purpose. He's there for the Night's Watch, right? And he's not just there to fight these dastardly wildlings. There's an ancient evil there's, they believe is still out there. They have evidence that it exists. I think there's a lot to be learned from the opening moments of Game of Thrones, the show, and the book, Song of Ice and Fire. Game of Thrones book starts in the same way. Certainly more detail, played a little differently, but it's the same. That threat is back, and we know it, but no one else does. But the Night's Watch are among the first to really figure it out. They kind of already have. Again, I, I believe they're seeing things that maybe they can't believe, but they know it. And John feels it. You can't deny it. And so it connects to this great big purpose at the end of season one they are marching out to it but the returning night king and the fight that will happen was never part of john's final journey and i think this is one of the things that i think it's overlooked the most when you're taking in this this story and this content and when you're connecting to john and by the way you can still connect to john in a lot of different ways you're supposed to with all these characters 
But when you start asking the why, I think you get the real reasons for you to connect to John Snow. John may very well kill uh, the big bad in the books, by the way. We don't know that. He might not. George might stick to what could have been the plan. We know that in the show, the choice to have Arya do it was something maybe they did and, and kind, of, kind of worked into the story um, years, seasons prior. So keep that in mind. We're dealing with what we know right now. And this is John on TV. This is TV John and the emotional purpose and core of the character and the emotional journey. It's way more important than what happens. It's again, the why. See on the show, his destiny wasn't to save the realm by killing the night King. That is not the why the night King and his army of the undead helped John realize his true beliefs, even more than his purpose actually in a way serve him uh, in discovering his big purpose. Season two and three find John north of the wall, well north of the wall, learning some hard truths about the Night's Watch through the events of Craster's Keep. Again, I'm a fan of the Mormonts. You all know this. And Gior Mormont is a good man. I'm using that in kind of the capital sense. Good man. Good man, that Gior Mormont. But he made a mistake by knowingly turning a blind eye to the actions of Craster for some perceived sense of safety in that moment. It's a moral mistake that both knowingly and and unknowingly fuels the army that is coming for them. It's fair to say that they don't truly know that uh, what is becoming of the baby boys of Craster's son, but a fair guess could have been made. I I think they know. And again, I don't necessarily, I'm not faulting Jor Mormont. He's hardened in his own way, got a good heart, good spirit, good leadership. You see what happens when he's taken off the board, all hell breaks loose. But this is part of the lesson. I always say these characters, even the ones you love, sometimes will do things that you need to learn from. You need to reflect on. And Jor Mormont sees the moral slip by Mormont. And Mormont may soon be killed by his own men, but it can be painfully attached to this small chip at who Mormont is as a man. He dies a good man. He was a good man, but there are consequences for sacrifices of your, of your empathy, of your morals, of your compassion. He didn't want to save those sons of Craster. He didn't want to really know because he felt that was a fair exchange for the safety of his men on travels in and out. And many, many rangers over many years have found safety and solace at Craster's keep. So it's it's a tough choice. That's why I'm not saying it's a big, giant error. It's just a slip of Mormont's morality. But it fuels not just the army of the dead, but it probably fuels their confidence. It does nothing to stop them. And so at the end of season two, into season three, the men that Mormont took north are all but wiped out, which leads to Resentment and problems and pain and illness and injury it leads them back to Craster's Keep. More sacrifices there. They got to stay. Ah, uh, yeah. Boom, and now they're dead. And now Mormont's dead himself. John sees that. He knows this. He feels it. So as we know, by this point, he doesn't see that right there in that moment. It's something that's felt and learned later. I understand that. But John is is is... John's understanding of the slip. He sees it. He sees it in season two with Craster. 
Craster's sons and the conversation he has with Mormont when he realizes that Mormont knows this. It's a powerful moment. Go back and watch it. John is, of course, taxed, tasked with infiltrating Mance's army by another good man with a crusty exterior whose direct experiences with the free folk fatally informed his own existence. I love Corn Halfhand. I think Corn Halfhand's a great, interesting character. Again, a good man. A good man doing what he felt was right, even maybe at some uh, greater cost that it was not there. I don't fault him for nothing. It's a tough existence. And anyone south of the wall wouldn't know what they'd do up there in that situation. I think those are fair things to say. Corn Halfhand, though, also knew John could do it. The infiltration. He knew it because, in my mind, he knew John's heart had something in it that Mance would believe. It might not be something Halfhand could point to. Ah, you have a problem with Mormont knowing that the Craster sons are sacrificed for some temporary safety. Uh, these things. Uh, you helped Sam and Pip and Grant. And he, he doesn't have that kind of list in his mind. Halfhand just knows what he sees. He knows what he feels. And so when he runs back into him, the plan is hatched. Now for half hand, it is a good plan if it can be pulled off. It is it is a plan that serves the realm, the Night's Watch as they know it, as as their purpose is in, the, in, in at that time. But I think half hand realizes more than anything, John could do it because there was something inside of him that Mance would believe. Because half hand knows Mance would not be easy to fool. He knows him. He was a brother. So he sees it in John. He sees that heart. The ensuing journey of John's connection with the free folk, his love for Egret, admiration for Mance and Tormund, are pretty self-explanatory. When you spend time with your enemy, you will see beyond what they are to you and see what they are, see what they really are. It's hard not to. But John's sense of duty and what he believes is his purpose, protect. Uh, the realm, perhaps, lead him to walk away. It nearly cost him his life, right? Egret could have killed him. She could have killed him. She chose not to. And it finds him seemingly taking a first step toward his true purpose. Mind you, all of season three, right? And four, right? It's John and Egret. It's the cave. It's Tormund. It's the climb. It's all these things. He learns it. He learns it all there. He, he's, he believes it all. He feels it. He loves this woman. He really kind of grows to love Torment, and he's already been exposed enough to Mance that he's pulled in by something, right? He sees it. He's faking, but along the way, it's really happening. The, it, it, the growth is going on, but he doesn't know how to face it, and I think that's sometimes true in life. You're faced with something. You're faced with a growth, or you're faced with a direction you know you need to go, but you are beholden to what you came before, to what you've known, to what you learn, and it's, uh, it's scary. It's scary to make that change. This is why I say he still believes he has, his true purpose is to protect the realm. And right now, Mance is gathering an army that could really severely damage, destroy, undermine the realm. Definitely the Wall, definitely a Night's Watch, and definitely the North he grew up in. He knows it. He sees it. That first shot when he comes over the hill and he, he sees the... Um, the gathering, the army of all the tribes there together. And Egret says, you're going to meet the king beyond the wall. The look on, on John's face is, is understandable. Wow. This will destroy us. He knows right in that moment, this 
will destroy. So he goes on this journey, right? He goes on this journey, but it, and he learns all these things. It's there. Uh, but John's sense of duty and what he believes his purpose is, protect the realms, they lead him to walk away again. He comes almost full, full circle. He reveals himself, Egret, you knew who I was. She kind of always knew it. And he's back. He's back with the Night's Watch. And then when Mance lights the largest fire the North has ever seen, it is John who emerges as a true leader. And in that moment, is doing what he believes his true purpose is, defending the realm. The boy who would be king has now taken a large step towards that. And though there are some people, some great moments, tip of the hat, I will even say to Sir Alistair Thorne in this battle. Some valuable stuff there from him, including the lesson he gives John about leadership. Now, sometimes you might make a choice, but you have to believe in it or else everyone's gone. That's some valuable stuff. I love that quote by Sir Alistair Thorne, the longer quote there. I love it. I really do. I really do. That's why I have a soft spot for that old crusty heart of Alistair Thorne. I think he's made some mistakes, and I think he pays for it, and I think it's justified. But in that moment, it don't overlook it. John learns that. You're going to have to make a choice. You're going to have to stand by it, and even if you think it's wrong, you have to believe it or else everyone else is doomed. So he does this. He defends the realm, this magnificent battle. But this leads to what I believe. And we're all like, yeah, we're cheering. John, 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 he's a bastard no more. He is a leader. He Make him Lord Commander. This He needs to be the king. And you're hearing rumors. And people like me are wearing T-shirts, uh, you know, the, the J plus, uh, uh, you know, or L, uh, R plus L equals J. And we're in a John is more. John is more. You're reading these prophecies. If you're reading the books and watching the show. And you're there for it. He is the boy that would be king. This is his story. Then one of the most important moments in John's life happens. It is the conversation he has with with Mance Raider when he meets him following the Battle of Castor Black. John is there to kill him. It's his plan. It's an understandable plan. It's maybe even a smart plan. John knows what's out there. He knows they did defend the wall for one night, but it took everything they had. They lost so many, more are coming. He knows this. So he goes to meet Mance, and he's going to make himself a martyr for the greater good. He's a martyr, you see. I'm a hero. God's warrior in this moment. I'm going to defend, defend the realm, even in death. That's what I need to do. This army cannot get south. That is my purpose in life. And I'm going to do it even at the cost of my own life. But the conversation in Kieran Hines is just amazing in every scene he has as Mance Raider, but this is some of his best work. But it is then that John not only realizes that Mance and his army are probably going to win what, what Mance says, what, 1,200 are marching or climbing the wall. He realizes that Mance's plea for safety and survival of his people is his true goal. Winter is coming, and the dead with it. And John is faced with a moral question. Do I turn my eye and ears, my eyes at this point, I guess John does have to, right? Do I turn my eyes and ears to this plea in the name of the realm? 
uh, in the name of a way of life that is old and ancient, but something I've been trained to believe in and took a vow to support? Or do I find mercy in my heart? Do I believe this plea for the simple right to the same protections anyone else south of the wall has is just? Do I believe in that? I'm sure John in this moment is, is thinking back to Jor Mormont knowing that Craster's sons were being sacrificed to the enemy for a little piece of safety. And now those sons are part of what's coming for them. The army's growing. John knows this. He sees this. He feels this. He, he quite frankly, learned it in Jor Mormont's uh, cabin when uh, the first white we see, the reanimated white, comes back to life from one of their own men. He knows it. So now you can link that all together. Because John has seen it, right? It's not just that they're taking Craster's sons and killing them and turning them to the, into, into whites. White walkers are, are taking them. That's what John realizes. There's got to be some greater purpose. So, Jor Mormont's little slip of Morality is in John's head. What do you do? And it's tough. It should be tough. So Mance is right. Let his people south and carve a new way. Stick to the old. Let those John thinks his enemies die. And face them again as part of the army of the dead. Now, I think on instinct, on instinct, John keeps to what he came there for. Again, it's hard to change, right? It's It's... There's a lot of fear and change. We all know this, even on the smallest level in our regular lives. So John sticks to his instinct. He sticks to the plan. He sticks to his purpose. Defend the realm. If I kill Mance, we win. The realm is safe. So he reaches for that knife. He's going to kill Mance. But I believe the wheels have been set and his choice is starting to become more clear. Now, John doesn't get to make that choice here, though. Stannis arrives, my man Stannis. And look, I do love Stannis. I consider this a great moment for him, including listening to Jon Snow and uh, telling him to keep Mance alive because Ned Stark would do it. I think this is, these are some good Stannis moments. Davos sees something in Stannis a lot of us uh, fail to sometimes, other than me and Eric Monroe, and uh, I like Stannis in this moment. But in the end, unfortunately, even for us Stannis fans, it's just a whisper in the wind. It does nothing to solve the real problem. Jon Snow knows that the safety of the realm truly lies in changing the narrative. He tries to get Mance to change his, and it's a valuable two-part lesson. This is the beginning of season five. Jon, beautiful Mance moments, right? The beautiful conversation between him and Jon at the end before he's taken out to be burned. Uh, through it, John learns how to take a stand for a cause, while later learning, even directly mentioned by Torment, that Mance's justifiable pride, I do think it's justifiable, caused more death for his people. Now, there can be other ways. And look, it wouldn't be Game of Thrones without some complicated layers and necessary bad choices and necessary tough questions. That's why also we love these what-ifs. But I think it's Mance's final words that really uh, stick, and it's the freedom to make my own mistakes was all I ever wanted. And they'll echo through Jon's heart for a while. Jon Snow is considered a great hero. He was he he's viewed by as he's excuse me, he's viewed as this by many, both in story and those of us watching and reading Game of Thrones, Song of Ice and Fire, coloring books, maps, action figures. 
if you're a fan of it, you consider John a great hero. And he, he is considered a hero for his small deeds. The protection of the likes of Samuel Tarley and Pip and Gren and, and uh, those who need his help, as well as his big deeds. Pulling a sword to stand uh, alone against a charging army is one of the more lasting and inspiring images of Jon Snow. And, and, and I, the, 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 that picture, that, that gif, the clip is, is shared so many times with so many people and it's a beautiful moment. It, it's absolutely the essence of Jon Snow. It's a lasting and inspiring image for sure. And he tried with all his heart, as, as a hero should, to rally the realm, to put aside their differences, to fight back the Night King. And this might be why it didn't sit well that John didn't turn out to be the hero of the prophecy, the hero of prophecy as he was promised to be. He's the boy who would be king, and he doesn't become that. He didn't even kill the Night King. He didn't lead the Allied forces south to topple the evil queen while taking his place on the throne or next to the throne with a dragon queen. He didn't take his true name. He did not take his true name. That would have connected him to centuries and centuries of the old way and centuries and centuries of the right to rule. Now, Jon Snow walked away from it all because he, he already died for the realm. The most important decision Jon Snow made was to turn to those that he had once rode out to join the Night's Watch, and ask them to consider compassion and empathy as a needed direction to change the way they look at the people that oppose them, looking past years of mutual hate and, and the violence that spills out from that, and truly protect the realm from the coming evil because it would best serve everyone. He wanted them to not sacrifice their own morality for the price of temporary safety in the name of the old ways. Think of him... Think of Jor Mormont. Think of that lesson learned. So, Jon Snow was murdered by those he served alongside. That's the sacrifice. Jon Snow believes in things so much that he's willing to die, right? You hear that. Then he did die. He did die, but he didn't die for the realm. He was murdered by those he was supposed to protect the realm with. Think about that. He died not for the realm he wants to protect, but for those not allowed in the realm. That's what he did. I'll say it again. He died not for the realm he once swore to protect, but for those that, uh, that were not allowed in the realm. That is who he died for. So he returns. We wait all we wait all off season between season five and six. We don't know exactly what happens in the books. We we monitor Kit Harrington's hair, Jon Snow hair watch, right? Putting all the pieces together. How is he going to come back? What's it going to be when he how he comes back? All these uh, questions. We don't ask the why, so he returns, and this is surely a sign that he is the chosen one, the savior of prophecy that will assume the throne and save us all. In his final chapters, he, he does assume leadership of the Night's Watch, an easier leap for him to accept because it falls under that oath he took. He learns some hard truths from Davos, who tells him that the best way, you know, he's not a learned man, but uh, the best way to help most people might not be to sit in a frozen castle on the edge of the world. And he reluctantly becomes the king of the north. It's more food for the prophecy train. 
But he, he uses that title to continue his new personal mandate. He didn't want to be the king. He, we know that. We say that. Sansa wants to be the queen. She should. Daenerys wants to be the queen. And you know what? She should. Yara wants to lead the Iron Islands. She should. So on and so on. A lot of great choices. Let's not forget Leanna Mormont. Jon Snow, though, didn't want that title, the King of the North, but he took it. And he uses that title to continue his new personal mandate. He rallies old houses, uh, connects those previously unconnected. The free folk are still involved in this. They're part of his army. Tormund's now a trusted advisor and friend. And aside, uh, and he puts aside every difference as best he can to unite everyone for one common goal. That's what he wants them to do, I should say. He wants you all to put aside every difference to unite for one common goal because I know what's coming. Remember, he goes to Hardarm. He's killed after Hardarm. He sees it firsthand, experiences it, comes back to the Night's Watch and says, we have to let these people south, not to fortify our own defenses. It's maybe an added byproduct, but we need to let these people south or they'll die. And that's not right. Also, by the way, if you let them die, the evil that opposes us, opposes us grows. It's plain. I saw it. I witnessed it. I was not alone. But the Night's Watch and the members of it, many of them, obviously, others did agree. But uh, powerful forces within the Night's Watch say, yeah, nah, the old way is the way. It's what we know. And even for our own safety, even for the simple idea of, all right, Grab the free folk, give them some weapons of ours, and let's man this wall. Let's use them, join with them. Even for that simple purpose, even for that temporary safety in their mind, they don't want to do it. The Night's Watch rots from within. John takes back his home, of course, in season six. Uh, but in truth, you know, he's only saved by Sansa. Let's not forget that. Even that great big shot, the one that we were talking about, John against the army of the uh, 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 of Ramsey with pulling the sword, happened because he made a mistake. He shot out, raced out ahead, loses his brother. That's bad. But he lost that war. He lost that battle. Sansa saves the day, and he makes John makes mistakes along the way. Makes those mistakes of anger, makes his mistakes of strategy. He dismisses Sansa before the battle even began. And John is a cult of personality type. And the people will follow. But despite any lessons of failure or missteps, John stays true not to this emerging knowledge of his true identity. The boy who would be king is now uh, now understands that he he could be, maybe should be the king. He doesn't doesn't stay true to that. And, and remember, that's the thing he first left Winterfell to learn. No, no, John stays true to the person he became. He learned to change his worldview. He does this by not just staying true to himself, but by discovering even more about himself. Despite some stumbles, John Snow is one of the characters that stays true to who he is. 
He has less gray area about his choices. He just has tough choices to make, and he makes those sacrifices. And that's why I think we as fans are gra- gravitate to him and trust him and see a lot of ourselves in him. That's good. At least see what we want to see in ourselves. But see, he uses who he is to change the world. Jon Snow didn't save the realm. He changed it at great cost to himself. Emotional, spiritual, physical. And then he left that new paradigm behind. You know, again, he's imprisoned. They let him out. And he's like, I'm out of here. And there's some frustration. There's some exhaustion. There's a lot of a lot of that in the John's decision. I see it. I'll see it in the final shot. But John Snow did become who he was born to be. He became a hero, not for the realm, but for everyone. That's the why of Jon Snow. That's the journey he took. And that is infinitely more powerful than the boy who would be king. The boy that saves the day and gets all the big kills, makes mistakes. Some of strategy, like I said, many of passion. He learns. and He doesn't change right away because of what he learns, but it's there. But at the end of the day, just like we learn very early on when he uses who he is or he uses his powers to save and protect those that need his help, that can't do it themselves or just deserve it for any reason you want to list, John discovers that that was who he was. His big search for identity, his big search for where, where he belongs, his big search for his true name, his big search for his true position in this world, all led him back to where he started. And he saved everyone. And hopefully got to go north and enjoy some peaceful days. We're going to take a quick break. We'll come back with one call here. Casterly Talk. Hey y'all, what's going on? This is Kojak. I create music that can be found both on YouTube and SoundCloud, and now I'm a recent streamer on Twitch. So if you're looking for some chill instrumentals, check me out on YouTube and SoundCloud under KOJQ. And for some laughs, you can check my Twitch page under KO underscore JQ. Everyone, please be safe and thank you. in pop culture art, sleek designs, and some of the best brand logos around. Shop G9 Design on Public and represent the electrifying art of Janine Bryce with a shirt, wall art, and more. Go to tpublic.com slash user slash G9 Design. And while you're searching the G9 Design storefront, check out Janine's show, It's a Wonderful Podcast, available right here on Anchor and wherever podcasts are found. ET 
team, I'm Grace Hancock, and I wanted to let you know that I'm adding new designs to my Society6 shop with several on their way. If you didn't know, you can go to society6.com slash Mrs. Graceface and shop prints of my original artwork, as well as tons of other items like stationery, notebooks, mugs, throw pillows. It's a great place to shop for gifts or just for yourself, especially in my shop if you like witchy expressionism. So head to society6.com slash Mrs. Graceface and check it out. And we're back here on Casterly Talk. Happy to be with you here. The 64th episode of Casterly Talk. Used to be Daily Thrones before that. I, I don't count that. This is 64 episodes of Casterly Talk. Thank you for joining me, as always. It is uh, just me right now and probably will be for a couple weeks here. We got uh, our regular contributors, Andres Cabrera, Rachel Cushing, Lon Harris, Thomas Risling. Great regular phone calls. Um, which we're going to take one here in a second, but uh, just uh, feels appropriate for me to sit down with the microphone right now. So, there's how life works sometimes. I uh, had it on my heart to um, had it one of my on my heart to talk about this Jon Snow stuff over the last couple of days. Um, wrote some stuff down and said, "All right, we're going to do this." As I often do, I bring up on Anchor my Casterly Talk page and go to the message sections where I find the phone calls. And and like I said, good collection of phone calls this week. Uh, We got Nick and Thomas and Eric who called in. Great questions. I love it, man. I love it. Uh, We are not going to get to those ones today, though. We'll be there next week. And if you want to add to a call out there, please add to the call. But I saw one up here that uh, is from our good friend Alden Diaz. Alden calls it a lot. He's a great uh, Star Wars podcast called Octo Radio. He was recently on Force Center, our Star Wars show. So uh, I like Alden a lot. I was like, oh, cool, Alden. He's got one, and it's titled Night's Watch and Free Folk. Mind you, I just put down into words everything about Jon Snow that you just heard me say. I thought, well, this is fun. Sometimes life finds a way so I heard it and I love it and it's a tough question it's a personal one for me and I love it Alden so let's hear it right now hey what's going on Ken it's Alden here just wanted to send a quick message uh, tying in sort of um, in in, in a roundabout way with what's going on in our world right now I think that the closest that Game of Thrones got over the course of the story arc uh, with Jon Snow was when he stepped into that leadership role, how he handled trying to build bridges between communities and trying to strike down old rules and trying to spark reforms within the Night's Watch. And I know that you've spoken a lot before about how you don't feel that you personally, like there wouldn't be a house knapsack and you wouldn't be a belong to a Lannister Stark. You would feel comfortable up at the wall in the service of the Night's Watch taking the black. So if you were a brother of the Night's Watch, how do you think that you could have counseled John maybe to go about it in a way that wouldn't have caused as much infighting. Was it destined to end in infighting and betrayal? Do you think that there was a way he could have gone about it better? And what did you learn from the arc of John trying to connect the Night's Watch with the Free Folk? Thanks. Man, this is a, this is a hot damn great question from Alden there. Yeah, I love uh, the Night's Watch. I'm looking right 
now at a baseball camp I have. I ordered online. It's a it's a it's a homemade. So it's a, it's an independent made one. I don't even remember where I got it. There's not a lot of Night's Watch memorabilia out there. <laughs> Maybe for good reason. I understand it, but it's Night's Watch Castle Black hat that I have. It doesn't even fit right, so I can't even wear it sometimes as much. I love it. I love it. It right away I gravitated to it, probably because a lot of things in my personality. I joke. I do like colder weather. I do like solitude. Now I'm in a great, wonderful relationship with my own red-haired witch, uh, Grace Hancock. Listen to her podcast, Think Piecing, brand new uh, podcast out there now. Um, But prior to that, I had a string of uh, romances and failed romances and failed courtships that uh, would make it seem like, you know, the Night's Watch, I don't have to worry about that up there. I'm going to go. Personally, I gravitate to the not getting involved in what they call like the politics of the realm. Now, I do need to clarify that. It's not that I don't think they're all important or that that directly is a one-to-one comparison for me in the real world. The core of that, what I gravitate to, is a little bit of, hey, it's going to be figured out. There's going to be battles back and forth. Now, in the and, and Night's Watch, it's, it's wars, sometimes little wars and rebellions. But that aside, even then, who's on the throne shouldn't matter to us because we have... Uh, a mission to defend. I was never in the military. I think some could draw a comparison to that. I think that's fair. I had great ties to law enforcement uh, through my job as public safety. As I always clarify, never sworn, but have an extensive um, list of experiences and perspectives based on my time um, where in the moment I couldn't deal with the bigger issues of what brought you to me i just had to deal with the moment and then we'll figure it out on the other side and there's a lot of that in the night's watch there's a lot of that in the night's watch not for what they do to the ancient evil they're they're there to guard because um it is tough even for the men of the night's watch i don't think a lot of people even based on you know stuff they might be hearing and stuff benjamin might be coming back saying he heard i mean they're all they're all feeling it right they're all feeling it there's this kind of general disbelief. I don't think some of the criminals that are being sent to the wall to find redemption are like, yeah, whatever, there's white walkers. I don't care if the white walkers, I don't care. So that's hard to believe in. So for the most part, the Night's Watch adopts this idea that it's us versus the wildlings. They're coming on down. They're doing bad things. And we've got to stop them. Now, here's the thing. This is that I mentioned it when talking about Jon Snow. It's if I'm up there and Alden's asking me, all right, in this, in this what-if scenario, if it's real and I'm up there, and I, I'd like to think I would have joined on my own accord and then I wasn't, uh, didn't join from a, a prison cell. But uh, regardless, I'm up there because it doesn't matter when you're up there. It's just that you're up there. Um, there are some harsh, hard truths about the actions of the wildlings. Um, when I'm saying I'm not pointing fingers at them uh, at this point at all. Um, just saying, like, there's things they're doing that aren't good, right? But this isn't about improving the wildlings' communication of their issues. It might not be on them to communicate that. It is a powerful lesson of the show. It is the very apparent switch. I try, I try myself to 
not say wildlings unless I really mean it in, the, in terms of what I'm saying right now, the point of view of the Night's Watch, everything. But if I'm just in casual conversation, talking about an episode of thing, I, I, I try as best I can to remember to say free folk because I learned that lesson along with John in the show. So it's a powerful lesson to be learned. Um, it is easy to make that direct comparison to the real world. And also it's a show and not everything is straight across. I'll say that, but yeah, you look around even without the last 10 days, you look around, you should get some of the parallels. So it would be tough if I'm being honest and I'm being honest with you all. Then if I'm being honest with anyone listening, if I was a man of the night's watch, I would I would find my heart probably in a hardened spot. I think I'd be Benjamin. I think Benjamin is one of, a great character. Like I said before the break, I think he's a good man. He does a heroic thing with John. He learns a lot, right? He learns a lot of the true nature, and whether or not he ends up being cold hands in the book or not, to me, doesn't matter. Show Benjamin in the small amount of time we get with him is a very interesting character. I think a very good man. He's stoic. I kind of would rather hang with Yorin, but I understand Benjamin. I think there'd be a little bit of me in Benjamin. For better or worse, there'd be a little bit of uh, uh, Alistair Thorne in me as well. I have some pretty harsh, crusty views on leadership. But as I said, I love that lesson because as blunt as Alistair Thorne's lesson is uh, to John, it's actually a pretty soft approach. It's a pretty powerful approach to defend everyone. You've got to believe in your choices and, and stick it to the end. And, and hopefully I think the, 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 the lesson that's not expressed, but hopefully, and this is a lesson that John has learned is how you get to that decision is, is the most important thing uh, or part of the, the path, part of the apart path. I don't want to get too far off. So John Snow learns the lesson. I got to tell you, I don't know if I'd learn it right away. I don't know if I would. I hope I would because I I hope I wouldn't lose my, my humanity. And I hope when faced with it, I would learn it. So let's assume I do. Let's assume I am a man of the Night's Watch. Jon Snow comes back like Dolores, uh, Dolores Ed. Dolores? Do I always Dolores Ed. <laughs> Ed. If I'm Gran, I'm Pip, Sam, I'm his, I'm his mates, I'm his allies, uh, part of his allies. If Jon Snow comes back and this is what he's got, I pray to the seven gods and the old gods and the new that I see the humanity in the decision, that I see the smarts in the decision, that through this acceptance and show of compassion and empathy to these people that, yes, yes, have been fighting us and, yes, have been killing us, can we look past that for the greater good? I don't know if I'd always say that my answer would be, yes, bring open the gate and bring him down the wall. But I hope I wouldn't lose my humanity. I hope I'd be connected to those feelings of compassion there and empathy. So I'm going to give myself the benefit of the doubt. I'm going to say I will. So to answer a real specific part of your question, Alden, I do think, I don't think John makes, I don't think John makes too many mistakes in communicating back to the Night's Watch. He even gets control, right? 
but you can lose faith in your leadership. So even being the Knights Commander of the Lord Watch and uh, the Knights Watch does not mean that uh, you're going to get your way, right? It's also part of leadership. Hopefully you can look around and take advice and take the opinions of those uh, underneath your um, leadership and underneath your protection. It's part of leadership too. Delegation and fostering uh, new leaders behind the leaders. Like There's a lot of big things I could talk to you about from my experience, uh, my personal experience as being a, a director of a public safety team. So um, as far as though, I coach and counsel John how to better do it? I don't know the answer, but I'll say this. I think sometimes to affect real change, that there's going to be the screaming and the shouting, and John has his fair share of that, receives his fair share of that. And let's not even factor in some of the Stannis and Davos stuff. They're up there too during this time. I think that that is... Too far into the story, I want to get to the why of this question. I think if I was with John, other than trying to work with him and, and, and work behind the scenes and light some backfires of support, is how can you address your beliefs, your concerns, your desire for change, which really is a need for change for the better, uh, not just not just again, in this in this particular case, not just the general good of everyone wouldn't it be nice if if they came south of the wall and we had a bunch of parties and got along and we held hands and kumbaya no that's not that's specifically it'd be great but it's specifically not listed right it's about survival and I've, i've heard a lot of things of what winter is coming means and what the night king and his army means and you can draw some Conclusions, varied levels of conclusions on what it means, right? This perceived threat coming from the north, all these kind of things. I've heard a lot of different theories, and I'm I'm, all, I'm there for all of them. I always seem to gravitate to this idea that the Night King is evil for evil's sake. We don't really need to know his goals, and I wanted to. I, I part of me in season eight wanted the Night King to turn to the camera and say, "All right, here's what's going on." just wants chaos he wants revenge he wants uh he's angry at those who created him and he wants chaos and destruction and that's fine because to me that's just this concept of evil and if we're not careful if we're not careful with our hearts the evil will come to get us if we're not careful with our rage and rage is definitely a human thing anger is human we've been talking about it on force center good old padme says it to anakin to be angry is to be human or whatever you are in star wars and here in, in game of thrones it's the same thing so to have the rage is healthy even it's it's part of the process but to not let it turn to hate because hate it when it guides your actions will lead as yoda the great space frog says to suffering so how can John communicate? Because that's his reason. The evil is not a thing. The evil is his concept. And the idea, the why behind it is you have kept these people on this side of the wall. As it said several times, they just happen to be born on the wrong side of it. And you're keeping them from them. And again, I'll concede a little bit of, hey, they've done some bad things to us. But again... Maybe not on them, at least not on them to communicate better if we're not listening. 
Because now they're speaking pretty plainly. All we want is the chance to survive. We want the same protections you have. Please give it to us. If not, yeah, we might have that war. We want that gate. We need to go south. That's what Mance is saying. All he wants. Why did you gather these five tribes or these big tribes? Uh, clearly more than five. Why did, why did you gather them all? Mance's answer is to eat each other to live. So now John knows that. So it's not a party at the gift with the free folk and the uh, coming south. And Stan, like again, Stannis has some shiny moments here t- towards the season, end of season four and the season five stuff. You know, I know it's hard for a lot of people to accept, but Stannis has it. But even Stannis is using it to cern- serve himself in the old way. All right, great. Come south. I think this is great, John. Tell them. I'll let them come south. I'll give them some lands. They have to fight with me. They have to fight for me. Mance doesn't want that. That's not what he's there for. It's not the freedom. It's not the freedom he wants. John knows they need each other to survive because, again, this evil is just that. It's evil. It is the great evil. And in this case, it literally will take those that you've tossed out and kept out and it will turn them against you. They will be part of the evil And they don't want to be part of that either. They just want to get south of the wall for safety, right? So for John, if I'm there, man, Alden, if I'm there, the only thing, because I think he does it pretty well, I think it's on those that fight John on this. It's on them. It's on their hearts. But maybe, like I'm saying, after the rage, after the screaming, after the shouting, after the pointing of fingers, at some point you have to come to the table with those you might oppose or those who might be on the opposite sides of things because at some point you need to have these discussions. At some point that is real change uh, unless it's all just destruction. So I think that's what I'd try to get into John's head is how can you now communicate to them using terms that they understand learning their point of view on it, even if it's uh, deplorable at a distance to you, even if it's frustrating to you at a distance, even that you just are frustrated they can't see your way. If John is frustrated that Alistair Thorne and all those in the watch can't see the worth of the, of the, of the free folk as people, he takes that stand and you should take that stand, but how do you convince them? It's tough. I don't know. You must see their side and that way you can then speak to those views speak the language as best you can it's not easy i'm not saying it's easy and i don't think john made a lot of mistakes he paid for his convictions and he was willing to pay for those convictions but that's what i would have done and i don't know if i would have stood up there at the front table with a mug in my hand pounding my mug my ale on a table demanding allegiance to John, allegiance to this new way. I hope, I really hope that because what I, what I perceive it would, it would have been my own growth. You know, I, I think Benjamin is someone that would have maybe seen it. I think Benjamin would have been on board for it if he's there, but it would have been hard. That's okay. That is okay. It's okay to look at Benjamin and go, I understand that you, your entire 
existence up here has been fighting wildlings and you've seen them do things to your, your, your fellow rangers. I understand and allow for them to have that change. And then I would hope once I get through it, my style would not be to grab that horn of ale and scream and shout and pound the table. That might be needed for some, but some don't react to that. Who reacts to a finger in their face? I think I would have to do it on a person-by-person basis and hope we have time and get through it and know that some who are not be turned will leave them to their own destruction, to their own choices, right? The change might happen. You talk about the destiny that's just going to happen anyways, the destruction, John's death, the collapse of the Night Watch. Yeah, it might have been something that uh, needed to happen, was going to happen. But I like to think we can do things along the way to make the change better. So I don't know. It's tough. But that's where I would go. That's what I would do. And yeah, I'd be in my black cape looking cool, frozen uh, icicles hanging off my beard, that horn of ale. Would have enjoyed all of it. And it would have been tough. It's tough. It's very tough. But it's a powerful lesson of Game of Thrones. It is one of the most powerful lessons. We've been focusing a lot, as, as, as we should, on Daenerys Targaryen, her choices, her failures, her successes, the things that were done against her that weren't her fault, that affected her, her decisions. There's a lot there. I want to go more and more into Danny. So I think even in her fall, she's really inspirational from a certain point of view. But Jon Snow is as well, and Jon Snow is the hero, right? He's the hero. But the most powerful lesson in the show, changing of old ways and views and how you do it, but by also staying true to yourself and also, you know, staying in, in, in line with who you want to be, all those, all those things, it, it, it comes from John. Again, 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 a lot of important stuff from Danny. Song of Ice and Fire for a reason. But I looked at John and, and this lesson and, and this question you asked, Alden, about the, the Night's Watch and the Free Folk. It is very important because that's how the show begins and that's how the show ends. Three rangers go north of the wall. It's the wildlings fault, blah, blah, blah. Oh no, there's something worse. And they're all three eventually dead for it. And that's where Jon Snow goes. That's where our boy who would be king goes. He goes to that story. And it connects to this great evil. And we searched and searched and searched and we guessed and we wrote our think pieces and we had our podcasts and we, we took calls and here on Casterly Talk, we had fun discussing what the point of the Night King was. We had fun discussing what the Night King was and I do it again. I do it again, but don't forget the why. The Night King was evil. He brought evil and evil exists. And if we all don't get south of the wall and we all don't give each other the same chance of survival, safety, protection, we will be destroyed. God bless Arya, though. 
but we all can't rely on one soul. So I don't know if that answers your question, Alden. I love the uh, open-ended questions. I think Game of Thrones brings a lot of open-ended questions. In my research for this episode, I, I was thinking about the stuff. Season five, Davos really talking to John, kind of convincing him, you got to get involved. You got to leave the wall. You got to go south. You got to go to Winterfell. If, if the Boltons hold Winterfell, they hold the north. There's a lot of pain, a lot of suffering, right? It's some great stuff, but it's so funny. I mean, I love Stan. You guys know I love Stannis Baratheon. But Davos loves Stannis to a point, you get it. I, I think you should study the view of Stannis from Davos is fascinating to me. And, and, and Davos's wisdom and where he comes from, he's a hero of the story because he comes up as a crabber's son. He comes up from Flea Bottom. And Davos says, uh, Liam Cunningham, who plays Davos, has his great moments. You know, you always tell when Davos is about to be, you know, I don't know much, but let me just say this. So they're my favorite moments in the show. And, and, and some of the questions I have about him, his view of Stannis, Stannis' role, Stannis' – they don't have all the answers. They don't. They're not easily present. And that's what I love about Game of Thrones. It's the tough questions. So what would I do with the wall? It'd be tough. But I hope I get to the same spot that Jon Snow got. That is all for this week. Like I said, we have more calls out there. Um, we'll get to them. Thank you for your support here. You can go follow me at Catnapsuck um, and go to catnapsuck.com. Uh, we are on Facebook at Castle Talk. And I'm just quite frankly not on social media right now. So if you want to join the conversation at hashtag Casterly Talk, I'll look. All right. But really, if you want to really join the conversation, leave a call here. Leave a call here on Anchor. I love, uh, love the calls and we'll get to the, uh, the what ifs, the hows, the whys, the what's. It's all important. I just think the why is the most important question. I hope you enjoyed my thoughts on the why of Jon Snow today. We'll see you next time here on Casterly Talk. <laughs>